Hi, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. The lesson you're about to hear was a special treat for the Franklin Church on November 2nd, 2008. I was away in a gospel meeting, so one of our newer members, Mark Townsley, presented the gospel message to us. I'm excited about this lesson because Mark is one of the most humble men I've ever met, and the lesson he presented is simply entitled, Humility. So open your Bible and get ready to learn about humility. Where have you gone, Jody Mangio? And nation turns it slowly eyes to you. You might recognize those lyrics if you're middle-aged or older, or if you're a fan of 60s music. Well, when Paul Simon wrote that song back in the 60s, um, some of the younger people here weren't born, I recognize that. And they sure weren't born when Jody Mangio was alive. So they're probably wondering who I'm talking about. That same song has a couple of other great lines. It says, Jesus loves you more than you will know, and heaven holds a price, a price for those that pray. You won't find those sentiments in too many pop songs. When that song came out and Joe DiMaggio heard that song, that said, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio, nation turns its holy eyes to you. He kind of thought they were making fun of him. And if you know anything about his life, he was a very private person, very silent, really wouldn't give interviews. And Paul Simon came out and said, no, that, that was a sincere tribute, that you lived your life with dignity, dignity and grace, that you were an uncontentious hero, and that you were an American icon. And it was a tribute to you. The reason I bring up that story about Joe DiMaggio, when he hit a home run, he kind of put his head down and ran around the bases like he was almost embarrassed. He played the game with humility. Nowadays, if someone's up to bat and they hit a home run, they usually flip the bat over to the side, stand there for a long time and admire the home run, and then walk, drop real slow around the base with a lot of emotion, so everybody's watching him. Quite a contrast. Nowadays, you see arrogance everywhere. You see it at work. You see it at school. You see it uh, in the entertainment industry, movies, TVs. Uh, like I said, definitely in sports. Arrogance is always been around, of course, since the beginning of time, but I firmly believe it's getting worse in America. Arrogance is everywhere, and it's popular. Humility is hard to find and out of style. Arrogance is alive and well, and humility is an intensive care on life support. Our society seems to praise and encourage arrogance. But we really shouldn't be surprised for that because almost any worldly thing, the world usually gets backwards. And I mean backwards is what God would want, the world often wants the opposite. Like any worldly influence, we need to be careful that that doesn't creep into our life or into the church. 
Arrogance is one of those things that the world kind of uh, admires and enjoys. But, you know, they often do what's opposite and contrary to God's word. You know, abortion's popular. Alternative lifestyles are popular. Sex outside of marriage is popular. Divorce for any reason is popular. In fact, there's exceptions, but there's generally a rule if, if the world thinks it's good and it's condoning it, it's often contrary to God's word. We all know people that exhibit pride, arrogance, boasting. You actually may know lots of those people. And you might know some people that are humble, that exhibit humility, but I'm guessing you know less of those people. The Bible mentions pride, arrogance, and boasting a lot. It also mentions, mentions being humble or humility a lot. I think as Christians we all recognize if the Bible mentions something one time, that that would be enough. But when the Bible mentions something several times, which it does on today's topic, I think we really better pay attention. I think God's stressing its importance. There are many warnings against pride, arrogance, and boasting throughout the Bible. If you would, turn over to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be starting in chapter 8, verse 13. Proverbs 8, 13. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way, in the perverted mouth I hate. Then turn over to Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble is wisdom. Keep turning over, Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19. Proverbs 16, 18 and 19. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be of a humble spirit with the lonely than to divide the spoil of the proud. Proverbs 21-24. Proverbs 21-24. Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names who acts with insolent pride. Proverbs 29-23. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. In Proverbs, and elsewhere in the Bible, pride, arrogance, and boasting is associated with dishonor, foolishness, rejecting God, and destruction. You would turn over to the New Testament, the book of James. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 16. James 4, 13 through 16. Come now who say to there tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business to make a profit. Yet you do not know what your, your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You would turn over to 1 John chapter 2. Book of 1 John, chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Do not love the world nor are the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. If you would turn to the uh, book of Romans, first chapter. Romans 1, we're going to read 28 through 32. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind and to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all its righteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, their gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, and merciful. And although they know the ones of God, and those that practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. You know, our society sometimes focuses on bad sin versus sins that aren't so bad. Even our uh, judicial system and laws of land are set up on that on a scale of kind of bad to good sins. You know, if you're a Christian, you know that God doesn't see it that way. A sin's a sin. In this verses we just read, arrogant and boastful are listed alongside murder and haters of God. I don't know about you, but ever since I've been a Christian, especially as I get older, when I read these lists of things you're not supposed to do, I always kind of look to see I'm not doing those things or trying not to do those things. I doubt if anyone here would really outrightly reject God. But we don't want to act arrogant or boastful either. Or we're in the same company as those people we just read about. I mentioned earlier that the entertainment industry is really arrogant and boastful in our country. In fact, America's really... It's really celebrity crazy. If you ever check out the grocery store or watch TV or read the newspapers, America's just celebrity crazy. In fact, it's bordering on the bizarre in our country. Uh, the amount of attention that's given to celebrities and what they do. In fact, in this election season, you know, who would you really want to turn to for complex world affairs and events? Complex presidential issues. Who would you really want to get advice from other than a movie star? And that's who they interview a lot on these shows. The entertainment industry is generally disrespectful of God, arrogant, boastful. They mock God. They mock religion. Laughs at sin or don't even acknowledge any sin as any sin as uh, any behavior as being sinful. My question is, does us giving these entertainments our time or money, would that constitute us giving our approval to those things? You know, at the end of verse 32 it says, not only those that do the same, but those who give hearty approval to those who practice them. Do we like reading and watching about things that we would never do ourselves? I think that end of verse 32 there is scary about those giving hearty approval to those things. Um, something we should probably give serious thought to. The Bible encourages us to be humble and to have humility. 
Please turn uh, back to Proverbs. Proverbs 15.33, The fear of the Lord is instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. Proverbs 22.4, The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Then turn uh, back to Psalm chapter 10. Psalm 10, 17. O Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble, thou hast strengthened their heart, that thou wilt have climbed thine ear. And then in Psalm 25, 9. Psalm 25, 9. He leads... The humble injustice, and he teaches the humble his way. And then Psalms 34, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. He shall, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make it boast in the Lord, and humble, the humble shall hear it and rejoice. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. In the Bible, being humble or having humility is associated with honor, wisdom, following God, and pleasing God. We would turn over to James chapter 4. We were there James 4 earlier, but this is a different section of verses. James 4, 6 through 10. James 4, 6 through 10. But he who gives a greater... Grace, therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, your sinners, and purify your hearts, and double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. So there we're told that God gives grace to the humble, and we're told to humble ourselves. Turn to uh, Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13. And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. We're told there, along with some other good characteristics, to put on humility. I think it's clear from reading the Bible, you cannot be a Christian that's pleasing serving God unless you're humble and exhibit humility. I think most of us are familiar with the story of Moses, his life and story. And over in uh, Hebrews 11, sometimes we call the roll call of the faithful. Moses is the sketch there. Hebrews 11, 23 through 29. We're going to read this because it's kind of a good recap of Moses. But faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because he saw he was a beautiful child. They were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater than the riches 
greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for as he endured, as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn might not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. Egyptians, when they attempted, were drowned. You know, sometimes we all think that we have a tough job. Moses really had a tough job. Sometimes we think our job has too much responsibility or pressure. He has had a lot of responsibility and pressure. He took thousands of slaves under difficult circumstances and molded them to a powerful nation. You could argue that Moses was the most important person on earth at that time. Moses is a fascinating man. He was close to God. He would talk to God. He would even kind of negotiate with God. Went up to Mount Sinai, received the Ten Commandments, led God's chosen people out of Egypt and through the wilderness. Despite all the power or responsibility or position Moses had, there's a very interesting verse about Moses over Numbers 12.3. Moses 12, Numbers 12.3 says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Now that's quite a compliment. You're the most humble person on earth, and yet he's charged with leading all these people in this important position. You know what usually happens in our society, right? The one with a higher position or the most higher sometimes is the one that's not the most humble. Sometimes the most arrogant. Let's turn back to Exodus when Moses was getting his um, assignment. Exodus 4, 10 through 15. Exodus 4, 10 through 15. When Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been, never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, for I am full of speech and full of tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who has made men's mouth? Or who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? It is not I, the Lord. Now then go, and I even will be with your mouth and teach you what you say. But he said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever that will. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he's coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in your heart. And you are to speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I, and even I will be with your mouth and his mouth. And I will teach you what you are to do. When Moses was... Uh, saying he wasn't the right person for the job there. Do you think he was being humble or just kind of, I don't want this job? Kind of shirking responsibility. You know, sometimes in the church, people are asked to do things to help in a lot of different ways. And you often hear, oh, I'm not good at that. I couldn't do that. I've never done that before. And, you know, are, are they being humble? And maybe they really are. Or are they just kind of trying to avoid a responsibility they don't want to do? Of course, whether or not we're being humble or trying to avoid something, God certainly would know the difference and know what's in our heart. When we're told Moses was the most humble thing on the man on the face of the earth, do you think God chose Moses because he was humble? Or did Moses become so humble after dealing with God and seeing how powerful he was? It could be 
there was some of Egypt work there. Moses is a great example of faith, but he's also a great example of someone that's humble. Someone might look at Moses and all his monumental responsibilities and took on and said, yeah, but God was helping him. And if we're Christians, we certainly should say that God would be helping us. Maybe not talking to us directly like he did Moses, but that we would have God's support and he would be with us. The Bible shows us all sorts of characters, all sorts of strengths, weaknesses. And it's great that we get to see all these different people in the Bible with all their strengths and weaknesses. I think when we look in the Bible, we can always relate to certain characters in the Bible, their strengths, their weaknesses. Uh, you know, God didn't clean this up and take out the human element in the Bible. He left it for us, his inspired word, that we got to see all these people so that we could learn from them. Let's talk about Paul for a few minutes. You could argue that Paul was, in some ways, very different than Moses. In fact, someone might say, oh, Paul was real arrogant or proud. But he really wasn't. He was bold. He was driven. He was courageous. He was confident. He was zealous. But if you look and see what Paul was confident or boasting about, you'll see that he wasn't ever boasting about himself. And you also need to look to see what he was boasting about. Let's turn over to 2 Corinthians 1.12. 2 Corinthians 1.12. For our proud confidence is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in the holiness and godly sincerity, not in flesh and wisdom, but the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially towards you. In Philippians 1.26, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. And in a verse that we all know over in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And a lot of Christians have used that verse a lot to, especially in their difficult circumstances, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul's confidence was not in himself, it was in Christ. Paul was boasting in the Bible sometimes, but let's see what he was boasting about. Galatians 6.14, boasting. But it may never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there he's telling us what he was boasting in. He was going to boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 7.4, 2 Corinthians 7.4, Great is my confidence in you, great is my boasting on your behalf. There he's boasting about fellow Christians for what they're doing. 2 Corinthians 8.24 Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and reason for boasting about you. Paul would boast about Jesus. He'd boast about others. He'd boast about others' faith and others' love. And it was always through Jesus or the perspective of looking through things from, from Jesus' point of view. Paul often wrote about what he'd experienced, his difficulties, his trials, his setbacks, his discouragements. But he didn't do that to brag. He did that to show what he had suffered for Christ. And he realized it paled in comparison to what awaited him. And Paul said that his citizenship was in heaven. It's okay if we're confident in Christ, we're boastful in Christ, but we don't want to be arrogant or boastful like the world. 
What are some of the things that the people in the world are arrogant about? People in, the, people in the world are sometimes arrogant about their looks, which is funny for several reasons. One, it's funny in because most of how one looks is based on their DNA or genetics that they had nothing to do with. They might choose to be fit or have a good haircut or something, but mostly it's DNA genetics they had nothing to do with. And what's funny about that also is they're going to get old and die someday. People in the world are arrogant about their money. In the last couple months, there's been less arrogance about money as people got their 401k statements in the mailbox and saw the stock market go down a lot. Um, but you know, money, it's just on loan that it's not going to be yours and you're going to die and you're going to leave it to someone else. So when you die, it's not going to be yours and maybe before you die, it's going to be all gone or not be yours. Um, some people make their own money, but you know, a lot of money and wealth in our country is just passed down from generations. So they're against about something that, you know, four generations made the family wealthy, not them. People are arrogant about the possessions, their cars, their homes, whatever. We, we know they're just going to break down, rust, and decay. People are arrogant about their education. Um, I think a good education is important. We stress that in our home. But I can constantly say Jesus and God do not care if you have a GED equivalent or a PhD. It will not affect you going to heaven in any way. Some people are about arrogant about their career in the position. We mentioned earlier Moses would have, could have been, but it says he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Some people are arrogant about their career and position. Once again, I think there's a little less arrogance going on in the economy with that uh, issue right now. Uh, we worshiped, I worshiped in California with a man for several years, and he was real high up with a high-tech company out there. In fact, he was head of sales for the entire North America. And he had lots of people under him. I don't know, but I would get something hundreds. And, you know, he would joke sometimes that he would kind of get thinking he's kind of important with his job. And he would say, you know, they could replace me tomorrow with someone else. And things would keep going. To use the analogy, if you put, you put your finger in the water and you take it out and the water goes back. Uh, but sometimes people are arrogant about their career and position. Lives, money, possessions, your education, your career, those don't have anything to do with your spiritual condition, except maybe in a bad way. If you focus on them too much, you won't be focusing on Christ. And on arrogance and those things that I just went over, I think Christians sometimes we kid ourselves that we think we're going to live in the world and not be influenced by those things. I think we have to be on guard. I think that's why in the Bible we're told, told to be on guard for those things. We certainly don't want to ever be arrogant or boastful about our salvation. You know, the Pharisees were really arrogant about their salvation. They thought they were better than others. Of course, Jesus was usually, not usually, always condemning the Pharisees for their motives and their heart being in the wrong place. As Christians, we have been forgiven of our sins and we're promised a home in heaven. And that is something very special and something to be uh, happy about. But you know, that, that's open for everyone. Uh, Dean and I were attending a gospel meeting down in San Jose a few years ago and this preacher told this story that was where he preached. And um, after service, he's talking to some of the other Christians. He said, 
Hey, did you notice we had a, a young woman visiting there today? And one of them said, yeah, but, you know, she was pregnant. I'm not sure she's married. And the other one said, yeah, did you see she had a tattoo? And someone else said, and did you see her hair color? You know, it's dyed, you know. It's one of those colors that God didn't make, you know, one of those weird colors. And they said, she wouldn't be interested in the gospel. She was in the worship services, and they're saying she wouldn't be interested. They'd already wrote her off on her appearance. You know, we, we don't want to ever preach, preach green the gospel and be arrogant about who's worthy to be a Christian. We want to be confident in God and Jesus, but we do not want to act like we're better than others. A preacher friend of mine always says that the church is not a country club for the righteous, but it's a hospital for sinners. We need to conduct our lives that others will see that we're different. And if you live a humble life and you show humility, the world will see you're different because a lot of people you're going to be acting with are arrogant. Of course, we know Jesus is our perfect example of someone that did not have pride was not arrogant, was not boastful, but was full of humility. If I asked you what part of Jesus' life was humble or showed humility, you would say all of it. His birth, his life, his death, his actions, his teachings. Where was he born? Lowly birth, in a manger, common parents. Anything good come out of Nazareth? What was his lifestyle? There's one we complain about a lot, I guarantee you. Simple, meager, just the basics. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In Jesus' teaching, Matthew 18, 1 through 4, at the time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, we know they got this backwards already, right? Who's the greatest? And then he calls the child himself to sit before them and say, Truly I say to you, unless you're converted and become like a child, like children, you shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I joke sometimes that that was a very young child, but we're not told the age of that child. But uh, children are often very humble. There's a fundamental principle of Christianity in Jesus' life it's about being humble and about service and putting others ahead of yourself, which is usually the opposite of what the world wants. The world is all me, me, me. Uh, I worked with a woman a few years ago, and she would overhear us talking about something at work, and she'd say, does this affect me? And we'd say, no. And she'd say, then I don't care. You know, a lot of people are that way. We're taught all through the Bible to put others' interests ahead of ourselves. We see Jesus as a perfect example about being humble. We see his, his mockery of trials, his going to the cross. Of course, the cross was often reserved for lowest elements of society and criminals. We see in his death on the cross how humble he was. And he was a perfect example of someone that was humble, that gave his life to mankind that we might have salvation. To become a Christian and serve God, we need to humble ourselves. 
we must recognize that we sin and that we're lost, and that we need to obey God's plan of salvation and to be right with God. I'm convinced that many people do not become Christians because of their pride or arrogance. I think evolution is simple as this. You don't want to acknowledge God as a creator because then you have to answer to someone, the creator. They don't want to acknowledge sin or the lost condition. They don't want to humble themselves to obey God's will. We're told over in Romans 14, chapter 10 and 11, that eventually everyone will be humbled. We shall all stand before judgment seat of God as our list says the Lord. Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. As Christians, we always want to emulate Christ. Yes, that's, that's a high bar, but that's the one we're supposed to strive for. And today, what I tried to touch on was being not arrogant like the world, but being humble, being full of humility, and letting people see that we're different. I hope this lesson edified you and glorified God. If you have any questions about this lesson or if you have any spiritual needs, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. If you're ever in the Middle Tennessee area, we would love to get to meet you face-to-face. Please join us for one of our classes or assemblies. You can find times and directions to our meeting place on our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We look forward to meeting you. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.